Hello and welcome to Saturday Night Hive. Today we are recapping the Maya Rudolph Jack Harlow episode. And there were some surprising feelings we had, but as always, I'm very excited to be here with my friend, Hibba Marie. Hello, Hibba. Hi, Candace. So let's get into it. This was the March 27th, 2021 episode. Um, SNL has been on a hiatus for about four weeks, and so there was a little bit of an SNL drought, but they came back strong with one of their most loved alums, Maya Rudolph. And, you know, walking in, I was very excited about this, um, kind of in a Kristen Wiig kind of way where, like, you have expectations. You ask, will they bring back the classic characters? For Maya, it was also a question of, like, how much Kamala are we going to get this time? Um, but I want to start at the top with the cold open. Hiba, what do you think of just the beginning of the show in general? Um, yeah, I totally agree that I was, I'm always excited when they bring an SNL alum back because it's kind of um, like, you know, it's going to be a solid show, at least if it's not going to hit it totally out of the park, like it's going to be sort of good, um, which is how I would describe this episode. I think like sort of good. Um, Maya always has kind of like uh, her brand type humor and because she's in, she like came up at SNL it's a little bit weird like SNL so um I thought the cold open was really timely and like the game show making fun of Florida and like the COVID stuff um it was pretty funny and I liked that she was the host because I love when she plays very like over the top characters and she let me just say if anything Maya Rudolph that girl has range like she could Mm. be Kamala she could be like the ditzy like Florida like game show host um, but she's always a fun time. Her monologue, I felt like, was very on brand for her, where she was, like, mentoring the younger cast members. Um, I I think of her as sort of, like, a maternal comedy figure for myself, mm-hmm. so I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a little bit, like, like, not mainstream funny, I think. It was kind of, like, SNL brand funny. Um, but I enjoyed seeing the new cast members all together and, like like shout it out because this is such a weird year to begin your journey on SNL I think we might have talked about this in a previous episode um but that was nice that they gave them some time yeah I totally agree with you I my first reaction was like go Maya for leading the cold open she totally got the reins of it I thought her accent was kind of weird. I really, really could not, like, figure out where she was pulling inspiration from, who exactly she was mocking. And it kind of brought up this interesting... It kind of brought up this interesting dichotomy for me where I was like, you know, when Mai was a cast member on SNL, doing accents that were, like, vaguely Middle Eastern, vaguely Asian, vaguely, like, ex-exotic whatever, was, like very okay for the time so like 2006 and so it was kind of one of those moments where you know you plucked her into this year's cast especially after such a horrible like time for a lot of people during the pandemic but especially people of color and I was like yeah I don't know if that accent landed in fact kind of wish she didn't do it um but on top of that I will say this uh I think Leopold who was in the sketch, played by Melissa Villa Senor. I think that person was supposed to be like Pitbull, the singer, Mr. Worldwide, yeah, Mr. 305. I so and yeah. I kind of love that not only because Melissa got an opportunity to sing, but like, do I like Pitbull's music? Yes, 
I'm sorry. Please still be my friend, Hibba. That's a big confession to make on on this very large national pl- platform that we have, Candice. I agree with you. I'm glad that Maya came back to host because, you know, she didn't really appear much in the early 2021 episodes, mainly because she lives in L.A., so getting out to New York is kind of mm-hmm. hard. But also, like, Kamala Harris, surprise, surprise, is not a controversial VP. She's not exactly the number one newsmaker of the week, especially since the inauguration. So there wasn't much material for Maya to work with anyway. But I agree with you. I really loved her embracing the new cast. It's very classic, very Amy Poehler, Seth Meyers era sweetness. And I really, really liked her bow dress. I just thought it was really cute. Do you think she like personally wrote this monologue? I feel like she could have because it was just kind of like how she shows up in the world. But I feel like honestly, mm. any of the OG SNL like cast members could have. Um, I think the the flavor was like her, um, like her cohort of SNL people. That's the vibes that I was getting from it. I'm with you, and I have to admit that. Um... I kind of felt just like a little bit bad for the new cast members towards the end where Maya basically made them hold their fists up in the air and sing La 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 from The Breakfast Club. Yeah. I was like, man, you could not pay me that NBC Universal check to do that. Um, but nonetheless, we go on. So let's start at the top. What did you think of the first sketch of the night, Hot Ones with Beyonce? Okay, I thought this was one of the ones where it could have been a hit, but it felt like a miss for me because we know that Maya Rudolph um, has done a lot of Beyonce impressions on SNL and she does a really good Beyonce impression, but it was just kind of all over the place. Like I felt like uh, it felt a little bit flat because they were heightening the same joke over and over and there was never really like a twist or an innovation like all of the names of the wings were like getting more ridiculous and she was getting like more and more sweaty um the thing about where they had to like put ice cubes under her wig and they wouldn't let anyone film it like that was kind of funny but to be honest I felt bored like the sketch was too long for the for like the level of jokes that they were making um but like I didn't hate it because she was still a good Beyonce you know like I think it could have been better but like Maya is funny so that's where I'm at with it how do you feel Mm -hmm. no I'm glad you said that because here's the thing so I watch the hot ones series quite often it's come to the point when like whenever there's a new like episode I will watch it that day and you know what I'm really glad that SNL has finally parodied this dumbass wing show because it's been a long time coming like the thing about that show in itself is it's in a box it's very contained it's kind of boring when you really look at it but when you like actually get into the meat of it it's kind of interesting and so first off I do want to say that a line that I appreciated is when Beyonce was like is this beneath me because the answer is yes hot ones is beneath Mm -hmm. Beyonce absolutely and here's my hot take on this sketch I actually feel like this sketch would have been pitch perfect if it was pre-taped, mainly because Mm. the reason why Hot Ones is popular and good is because they insert zingers here. They insert, like, undertones of, like, Jaws type of music there. The camera angles switch so rapidly, like a YouTube video, and that is kind of what keeps you... It's heavily produced. 
thank you so much. <laughs> it's heavily produced. It's so produced. And so it didn't work as a live sketch. Now, here's the other thing, too. I feel like they actually didn't really set up what Hot Ones was very well. I was thinking about the fact that, like, kids in five years from now, when they accidentally click on this YouTube video that SNL has yeah. posted, like, years ago, I really don't think they will understand the context of the sketch, especially if Hot Ones has ended by then. And so I was kind of like, all right, like, I kind of get what's happening. You're, like, trying to lean into physical comedy. You're trying to bring back one of Maya's best impressions. But it didn't work for me. And the other thing is, Mikey Day who I respect. His impression was just like a little bit off. Um, yeah. I think Sean Evans is actually more like, I think Mikey was going for a bit of like a nerdy Californian vibe, but he was getting a little too NorCal with it. Whereas Sean Evans is actually a little bit more like New Yorker, so but Cal. intellectual. Oh. <laughs> well, I think that's actually probably a good point. Like Sean, Sean Evans, who is not from SoCal, he's like a little bit more that way and Mikey is from SoCal so it was like a very odd paradox anyway regardless didn't love it but let's move on to the next sketch of the night which was a pre-tape it was called boomers got the vax and this had a lot of Melissa Villasenor doing a lot of really great like pop star singing in this sketch what did you think of this one yeah, I love this one. So this is one of my top sketches of the night. I thought the lyrics were all really fire. And like, I think I probably have mentioned this before, but my like, um, kind of barometer for like, is this a good musical short is like, would I download this song if it was on Spotify? And I would absolutely download Loco and Boomers Got the Vax. So I thought mm -hmm. this was really good. My favorite thing about it was that there were so many different cast members in it. Like all of them, it was kind of long, but I was entertained the whole time. And all of them had their own little cameos and their own little parts. And I love to see Melissa Villasenor's shine at musical impressions. Um, I also love Chloe Feynman, but to be honest, I feel like they've been giving Chloe Feynman like so many roles that Melissa Villasenor could also do. Um, and Melissa being like the more senior cast member, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, mm -hmm. they need to give her sort of like a niche thing. So I feel like they did a really good job and I enjoyed it. I'm completely with you. I agree. This was a very group project-esque type of sketch. Um, I think Maya did really, really, really well in it. And I think as I was watching it, I was wondering if Maya Rudolph possibly sees a little bit of herself in Melissa, you know, mm. someone who is a fabulous singer, someone who can kind of morph into different like characters that you don't expect. And I appreciate Maya and I guess whomever wrote the sketch for giving Melissa some of that shine. And the favorite, my favorite like thing that I walked out away from the sketch thinking was like, wow, Melissa has like the vocal abilities of a pop star. Like she could possibly be a billboard mm -hmm. ranking artist <laughs> if she wanted to. Um, and another thing to look forward to is the next sketch where Maya Rudolph comes back as Kamala Harris. What did you yes. think of this one, Hibba? Okay, this is the one that I was waiting for the whole night. Honestly, I thought that she was going to come out being Kamala straight off the bat with a cold open. Um, but like you said, Kamala hasn't been like super headlines like in the news all over the place. So it made sense that they made it its own sketch. Um, there were a lot of things I liked about this sketch. The first one was 
I really like the casting. So um, I think Chloe Feynman was Ella M. Hoff, and she did a great mm. job just being, like, mm-hmm. the very, like, hipster, like, character um, with the fashion and everything. Mm-hmm. Martin Short as Doug I thought was so <laughs> hilarious. Yep. Um, I love that they kept Joe Biden in-house with Alex Muffet as, the ca- as um, portraying him. I think, like, he did a lot better than any time I ever saw Jim Carrey portray him. And I feel like they just need to give that role to somebody who is, like, a part of the cast and Alex did a good job. Um, I also loved Cecily climbing through the window as Marjorie Mm. Taylor Greene. I feel like Cecily does a good job of playing those, like, very strong, like, a little bit crazy characters. And um, she was amazing. The last thing I'll say is... I thought that it was so funny how they portrayed, like, Kamala and Doug's relationship as, like, whenever they were talking to each other, it was, like, very seductive, like, vibes, (laughs) because (laughs) neither of them are, like, particularly sexual, I think, but the way that, like, um, because of, like, misogyny and the, like, way that we, the country that we live in, I feel like people always feel the need to, like, portray Kamala as, like, oh, she's married, like, she's not just, like, this, like, tough, like, boss prosecutor woman, like, she also has this, like, motherly side, and she has stepkids and all of this stuff. I, like, I enjoyed the comedy of the reverse gender roles, because I think first women who are married to presidents and vice presidents have been sexualized so often, that like it was funny to me that they reversed that but also it was funny because that's not how they act like in real life um but it could be so yeah I enjoyed it all around I felt like there were good cameos and we wanted to see her as Kamala so I feel like she gave us what we came for I'm with you I feel like um you know what I really gathered from what you just said Hib is that we need to sexualize second gentlemen more and I hear you and I'm with you and we can do that that's my campaign that is your campaign (laughs) slogan so I'm with you I think what's interesting about this sketch is that her impression of Kamala Harris has changed a little bit I kind of noticed that she came at it a little softer whereas the Kamala that we saw in like the debate sketches with Mike Pence had kind of this like more funnier edge to it but it's okay Mm -hmm. I think I gotta admit I understand that Martin Short and Maya Rudolph are very good friends and were co-stars on a show together, mm-hmm. but Martin Short is 71 years old and Maya is 48. And so seeing Martin be so close to her mm-hmm. was really uncomfortable for me. Um, I do think that you are right. The Ella Emhoff impression was so, so good. And... I also kind of realized that, like, the vibe they were maybe trying to go for with the sketch was, like, Prince Harry at the royal wedding taking a camcorder around the wedding reception. And it was this idea of an audience, Mm -hmm. right? And I didn't love that part. But nonetheless, I agree with you. We love an in-house hire. We love Alex Moffat as Joe Biden. And I actually wasn't sure if he was going to come back because Dana Carvey went on Stephen Colbert around the same time as this episode. And he kind of, like, brought out a Joe Biden impression and talked about it a lot. And I was like, oh, dear, you're, like, really putting yourself out there, huh? Very Mm. Jim Carrey, we should add. Um, But at the end of the day, there were some fun moments. And, Hibba, I want to call something 
on the podcast today. Please do. I want to put something here. I could see Kamala Harris running for president in 2024. Oh. <laughs> Girl, we've been known that. I'm sorry. Oh, really? Oh, is this what people are talking about in DC? Oh, sorry. sorry. I just like my little bubble. Of, my little bubble. We don't really talk about this much. Um, no, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's what people are talking about, but I absolutely think that she will. Um, I feel like there's a slim chance that Joe Biden's going to run again. So she's like the natural incumbent. Exactly. So going on to something not as Kamala related, um, Pete Davidson came back with another <laughs> musical pre-tape. It was about NFTs. If I'm going to be honest, I don't I don't care what those are. To no. be frank, Janet Yellen, not really someone I wake up thinking about often. Um, and amongst all of the characters in this sketch... I have to say, really appreciated the cameo from the NV2 cell phone. Like, that really got me. <laughs> um, but I have to say, I think of all the three principal characters in this, Jack Harlow, Pete Davidson, Chris Red. I think Chris Red killed it the most, and I enjoyed him the most in this sketch. Yeah, I didn't love this sketch. You know that I love musical shorts with Pete Davidson in them usually mm -hmm. like that's my brand but I was so confused by this one like it, there was just a lot going on I do think about Janet Yellen often as somebody who was a former economics major so I always love to see Kate McKinnon playing her but the thing that really threw me off about this was like yeah I don't really care about NFTs I don't think it's like enough in the mainstream for them to make that much fun of it and mm -hmm. then like Pete Davidson in tights like I could not get over his weird superhero getup. I don't I don't understand like is there a connection there or did they just like make it up like that really really threw me off um mm -hmm. I will say Kyle Mooney as a professor playing kind of like the regular guy character that was a good look on him for once he wasn't like the odd one out but yeah, Pete and Tights just like ruined this whole thing for me, like even as somebody who likes financial jokes. So what I'm learning tonight is number one, Hibba, huge Janet Yellen fan. Um, Number two, you're completely right. I later read that apparently this was kind of like a parody of an Eminem music video. And uh, that is where they lost that me. Nope, that yeah. is where they lost me because I think there's two important things about the sketch that made me realize this is not for me. Number one, I don't think people in their 30s realize that our generation does not remember Eminem music videos. Like, we no, really don't like Eminem. Really he don't. literally, <laughs> and on top of that, what I've been kind of noticing about the NFT conversation, at least in like major media outlets, is that I'm just going to say it. Everyone above 30, they they think we care about it and they think that we need more pieces about what it is. We don't give a damn. Our generation can't buy houses. You think we care about NFTs? Please. Also, like, like they could have done other things about um like GameStop and like cryptocurrency yes. and Bitcoin and like there there were all jokes there but for them to take NFT and like single it out as the financial issue of the day I'm like y'all know that we're in a COVID recession right like what are you trying to do yeah you said it all you said it all um but now we're on to something a little better Heba it's your segment of the week what did oh you God. think of Weekend Update? 
Okay, um, the main thing that I want to highlight is Bowen on Weekend Update. Mm. So, um, this week's episode, what coming on the heels, I guess, of, mm-hmm. like, a lot of terrible violence happening in the U.S., and particularly the murders of the Asian women, and Bowen, like, went on as, like, the token Asian cast member to talk about it, and mm-hmm. I felt like the way that he delivered it was like so I felt really like I related to it because like as a Middle Eastern person who's been like asked about like 9-11 and all of these kind of like things that I have nothing to do with but like people vaguely associate my identity with um yeah it just felt like he was being very real about like like just do better just like be better people mm-hmm. um and I thought it was funny how Colin introduced him as the Asian cast member. And then Bowen was like, you can't talk about me like that. And Colin was like, you asked me to say this. <laughs> so that was funny. All of his jobs at Colin were actually really hilarious. Um, and yeah, I think the main point was like, you can't tokenize people of color, especially when they are the ones being victimized. And like, we don't have to have all the answers for white people. Um, so I think he made that point well and just kind of like, Like, I think people always expect us to have a really, like, cohesive and comprehensive answer to the violence that's happening to our communities, where that's, like, not the way that things should work. Um, So, yeah, that was my favorite part of it. There was lots of other, like, things, like, lots of jobs about um, Joe Biden being old and, like, one-liners about, like, senators being a Jim Crow relic and, like, all of that stuff that were good. Um... They did the thing where they bring up Mitch McConnell and they're like, Mitch McConnell, it's like a picture of him smiling and they're like, Mitch McConnell seen here murdering children or like something like that. (laughs) So I always love when they do that because they do that every time they talk about him. Um, But mainly I just thought that Bowen handled it pretty well and I'm glad that he had the platform. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that and highlighting that because you are completely right, which is that number one, The part that really struck me about Bowen is when he said, I didn't even want to do this update piece, but he felt he had to. Because he's completely right. If he didn't write that, if he didn't put himself on the pedestal to say, look, I'll talk about it, no one else would. No one would bring it up and people would forget what happened on March 16th. And I could see what Bowen was feeling very clearly. And I think what he encapsulated is what all of us, especially Asian Americans, are feeling and holding within us. And I just want to say thank you, Bowen, for doing what you did, because the mental and emotional energy it takes to speak up, that's one of those things where you take it up knowing that it's a risk. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Bowen will always be remembered for that. And at the end of the day, the only thing worse than speaking up is forgetting and so that's why I give it all up to Bowen Gang, my king, and I love him. So now on to something that I am having some difficult feelings about. <laughs> I mean, Heba, what did you think about Jack Harlow? Oh, my God. Okay, so Candace and I both have a lot of mixed feelings about this. Literally, when they announced Jack Harlow as being paired with Maya Rudolph, I was like, who the F is this mm-hmm. random guy? Like, never heard of him. Didn't even have the urge to Google him. I was so uninterested. 
And then something happened, specifically during his second performance with Adam Levine from Maroon mm. 5. I was like, usually I have a rule against like white boys rapping but i was kind of into it i was like what is happening mm-hmm. right now i'm i'm ashamed to admit that i was into it and mm-hmm. i don't have an explanation for you i did go back and like go down like a youtube rabbit hole of his old stuff and i hated all of it mm-hmm. but i did love the all performance so i have a lot of mixed feelings i need to take some time and really like sit with myself you know Mm. (laughs) Mm. how do you feel it was just it's just confusing to be honest I'm confused that I liked it yeah I mean you know first off Hiba thank you so much for coming on the podcast when you clearly needed to meditate upon the word like I get it it's um I'm with you I first off want to say that regarding the second performance I thought it was really funny that Adam Levine flew to New York City to essentially be a backup singer he added nothing to that performance. He wasn't even harmonizing. He really wasn't. So that was funny. <laughs> but I was personally more won over by the first performance, which was a mashup of Tyler Hero and What's Poppin'? Hiba. I Here's what I know about Jack Harlow. I know he's from Kentucky. I know he is a white man in the rap game. And I have once scrolled his Instagram just to, like, see what's happening. And I have never, ever seen a good photo of this man. But when he got on stage, when he looked at me through the SNL cameras, he got me feeling a type of way... I could feel my two brain cells converting from MP3 to WAV files. There was something (laughs) amiss. And I'm with you. I watched his performance like three, four, five more times the next day. And rather than give me a better understanding of why I was feeling, I'm going to be honest, the hots for Jack Harlow... (laughs) I couldn't figure it out. And I went back to his Instagram and I looked at the photos that he had taken after his performance. He still has never taken a good photo. But I have one theory. Please tell us. So remember when Bad Bunny came on? Yes, of course. How could I forget? So right before Bad Bunny did SNL, like the week before, he performed and also did a little fighting on WWE. And apparently... He had decided to work out and train for it. He was like, I'm going to get buff for this WWE situation. I want to look good. Obviously, when you look good, you look good. And so he came on to SNL looking good. I have a suspicion that when Jack Harlow booked SNL, he was like, all right, I've got six weeks to get in shape. I'm going to look the best I've looked in a Mm. while. And he must have done, like, two more chin-ups than usual because, Hiba, like, I was attracted to the white man, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, I, that's why I have to sit on these feelings, because they're not healthy. 
I agree with you though like I went I was like is there something I'm missing like I went back through all of his stuff and I was like he's not it like he's just not it but I watched that SNL performance like 10 more times mm-hmm. and every single time it got me so mm-hmm. I don't know what they sprinkled in there like some like magic lighting or something I don't know it was just very soulful in the way that white men rappers from Kentucky usually are not so Mm, yeah yeah. I like your bad bunny theory though it's plausible to be honest so anyway after all of these really complicated feelings Hiba I do have to ask you one last question what is your rating of the Maya Rudolph Jack Harlow episode um okay this is hard I give this episode a 7.5 curls on Jack Harlow's forehead um because I felt like Maya did her part to bring back her old characters but there were some parts where it just wasn't quite right so I still enjoyed the episode but they didn't really like hit it out of the park um, I think there were some timing issues, and on top of my very, very confusing feelings for Jack Harlow, I just feel, like, unresolved by the episode, so that's where I'm at. How do you feel? I'm with you. It left you with more questions and questionable feelings than answers. I got you. Right. So for me, I'm going to give this episode 6 out of 10 hot infectious singles i'm with you i think when a very beloved alum comes back to snl the stakes are high the expectations are high and truthfully i actually think maya rudolph herself did the best she could i think coming off a hiatus they probably just need a little bit more runway before they get back into the Mm. swing of things but hey i was happy to be here watching it it was a fun time and I always love a Maya Rudolph like appearance. And so I'm glad she got to do that. And I'm sure she's going to host again next season and every single season after that, just like Bill Hader, just like Kristen. <laughs> um, and it'll be really good. These were our thoughts about the Maya Rudolph Jack Harlow episode. Thank you so much for listening. And Hibba, thank you very, 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 very much for being here with me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.